Good morning. Welcome to worship at Northminster. <clears throat> Whether you're here in person in our sanctuary or viewing this service over our YouTube channel, we're so glad that you are with us. Uh, if this is your first time here or your hundredth time or your thousandth time, please feel free to participate in all aspects of our service today. For all of us, our first gift to God today is our presence. So. If you would, to show your presence, uh, if you'll take the attendance register that you'll find in the hymn book holders on the uh, uh, chairs on the aisle, uh, and please uh, complete uh, that, please. Please remember that our February mission emphasis is the Children's Coalition Early Head Start Program. You can read more about this program and its needs in the insert in the order of worship. You'll have until ne next Sunday, at least for now, to drop those diapers or wipes or training underwear or whatever into the missions trunk in the narthex. And we thank those of you who have already donated. Next Sunday, Reverend Elijah Zeyu will be our pulpit guest and worship leader. Elijah is the new co-director of the Alliance of Baptists, so please uh, plan to be in worship next Sunday as we welcome Elijah to Northminster. We're thankful. As always, to our flower committee for the beautiful arrangements uh, of flowers on our communion table. And we thank particularly Peggy Kasky this morning for uh, her creation of this beautiful arrangement. And as usual, after the service, please feel free to take some of the flowers to brighten yours or someone else's week. There is just one copy left of I Wish Someone Had Told Me, Equity for Women in the Church. We started out with 10 copies, so nine are gone. One is left. It's a really important book available on the uh, table in the hall outside the pastor's office. Our guest preacher today wrote a couple of chapters in that book. And as always, please review the insert in the order of worship for other announcements and opportunities, or check out our newsletter. We welcome Reverend Sheila Shoals ross to Northminster as our pulpit guest and worship leader today. Reverend Shoals ross Sheila, currently serves as senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Pittsfield, Massachusetts, in the Berkshires near Tanglewood in western Massachusetts. The church was founded in 1772. Folks, that's four years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Sheila is the 30th pastor and the first female and the first African-American pastor uh, at First Baptist Pittsfield. DH and I were privileged to be at her installation in 2013. She's ordained by American Baptist Churches USA, has a Master's of Divinity degree as well as Master's degrees in Public Health and Administration and Supervision and Bachelor's degrees in Music Voice and in Music Therapy. And Sheila is a native of New Orleans. She's a founder and co-chairperson of Equity for Women in the Church, Inc., which is an ecumenical national 501c3 organization advocating on behalf of women in ministry and has written focusing on the uphill battles of women in ministry. Sheila is DH's and my good friend. 
She and D.H. served together on the board of directors of the Alliance of Baptists, and my arm is still sore from when Sheila twisted it about 10 years ago to become involved with equity for women in the church, but, but that's a whole another story for another day. <laughs> Sheila serves as a board member of the Conference of Baptist Ministers of Massachusetts, uh, very involved in uh, American Baptist churches in Massachusetts, and very involved in the community of Pittsfield in, in, many, uh, in various ways. Sheila's been married to Nelson Ross for 34 years, and uh, Sheila says that after God, he is her greatest supporter and friend. Nelson would have been here today, but uh, he had to stay in Pittsfield and preach uh, since, since Sheila is with us, a devoted husband indeed. And Sheila, we welcome you to Northminster. Thank you, Craig. Good morning, Northminster. This is the day that God has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of God. Please join with me with the call to worship. We have gathered here to worship God. What is it that comprises our worship? How do we approach the God we worship? What offerings do we bring? God has told us the things that are good. How do our praise, our prayers, and our words find meaning? Our songs of praise lead us to work for justice and peace. Our prayer is to always love mercy and to care for all God's people and for the earth. The stories we hear in the spoken word show us the way. We are sent forth to live our Here, find soul-strengthening grace to do this loving work without fear, without hesitation. Thanks be to God for the power of our corporate worship. These are the offerings we bring as we come before God. Let us worship God.
a reading from the book of Micah. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be blessed, will with the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Words which teach us how to live. Thanks be to God.
Please open your hearts, bow your heads for the prayer. Eternal God, our creator, God of light, God of love, God of justice, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship collectively and to give you glory, you honor, and you praise. Forgive us for our sins because we fall short of the mark, but thank you each day we are allowed to get up there with grace. We are able to honor you and one another. Bless everyone under the sound of my voice. Please, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this worship today and into our hearts. Amen. Let us stand in here. from the Gospel of Luke. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and neglect justice and the love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without realizing it. Words of justice spoken by Jesus. Thanks, Thanks be to God.
like to thank everyone this morning for the invitation, the officers and congregants. And it is so wonderful to be here with dear friends and new friends. Our sermon title for today, Our Purpose Must Be Greater Than Our Fears. Being an African-American clergywoman hasn't been easy at times when pastoring a majority white church. How far does one push herself in the congregation when it comes to doing God's justice? Yes, as it has been said, I'm into my ninth year pastoring First Baptist, but daily I inquire of God to tell me how do I preach and do your justice, your social justice? How do I lead your people here at First Baptist, take them out of their comfort zones to live into doing what you have required of them as your people? And also, for me as your under-shepherd, the pastor of that church. How do I leave my own comfort and safety zones? How am, I, how am I to do it, God? How do I confront comments by congregants that Black Lives Matter is a communist entity? How do I confront it as a black woman pastoring a majority white congregation? God, how? do I address? God, I, I remember the discomfort and size only from a few people when I recommended working with another congregation on the resettlement of Afghan people into our Pittsfield community, enabling them to avoid slaughter in their home country. God, how am I to lead? and to serve with this sermon. There may be some, or maybe not, discomfort for you relating to your work against injustices on behalf of marginalized people. But at various times, I have experienced fear in my 
and challenging my congregation and challenging myself about doing what is right on behalf of God's justice. Have you any fears? Now allow me to add that I have been reading many, many books just like you in the midst of black lives being murdered, in the midst of women being denied rights, in the midst of people of color being denied inalienable rights. But the books I have read lately, which truly have had a significant influence on, on me are the sum of us, what racism cost everyone, and how we can prosper together by Heather McGee and Elijah Cummings with James Dale. We, we're better than this. My fight for the future of our democracy, along with Pulitzer Prize winner John Meacham with John Lewis, his truth is marching on. John Lewis and the power of hope. Why? Because they resonate with me. And also it does help that it complements the text, which are the focus for today's sermon. Yes, we must read critical information to become better informed, but ultimately, we who are in relationship with God and through that of Jesus must include the Bible as a guiding resource. Yes, we understand that the Bible has some questionable statements, concepts. However, if we acknowledge that justice beliefs and actions are stipulated in the Bible, then this book must be the one that we include in our educational justice treasury. How are we to understand God's purpose through us as we lead her justice movement if we do not include the Bible's perspectives? With the Bible's assistance, we will better understand what God's purpose through us that they must be, it must be greater than any of our fears. Why? Because if we allow fear to hinder God's justice actions through us, then are we truly followers of the Holy One? And that's why for me, the Micah text and Lucan gospel resonate with me in understanding that God's purpose through me and through you must override any fears we acquire in doing the justice work on behalf of marginalized people. We are required by the triune God to do the work. Permit me to provide you with nuggets I received from the books and then connect them per my perspective to the biblical text. In the sum of us, what racism cost everyone and how we can prosper together. The author, McGee, defines the zero-sum game as a situation in which one person or group can win something only 
by causing another person to lose. The takeaway nugget, we have reached the productive and moral limit of the zero-sum economic model that was crafted in the cradle of the United States. There must, and I emphasize, there must be a refilling pool of goods for everyone. We as people have no choice but to start aiming for a solidarity dividend. And this is truly shows Ross's perspectives. We as God's people, we must advocate for this solidarity dividend. And we're better than this. My fight for the future of our democracy by Cummings and Dale. During the congressional hearing with the testimony of former attorney Michael Cohen about the sins of former President Donald Trump, Representative Cummings offered these closing words to Mr. Coyne. Now Cummings acknowledged that they were coming from his heart to provide comfort to Coyne because he knew he was doing a, a difficult thing. Cummings said, when we are dancing with the angels, the question will be asked, in 2019, what did we do to make sure we kept our democracy intact? Did we stand on the sides and said nothing? Representative Cummings then adjoined the meeting. The takeaway nugget, the person in which you and I meet with daily, every morning, ourselves in the mirror. Is it the person we are happy with as it relates to advocating on behalf of the marginalized? But more important, will God be happy with our work? Will it be acceptable in the Holy One's sight when we come to the end of our earthly journey? In John Lewis's, his truth is marching on and the power of hope with John Meacham. I must reference that Lewis was a preacher first. You know, we preachers need to model what we preach about and believe. Often, often, often we don't. However, Lewis said, Love is the central motif of nonviolence. Love is the force by which God binds man to himself and man to man. Such love goes to the extreme. The takeaway nugget, love always speaks truth and must go to the extreme of doing justice. Whether the truth is speaking against racism, against sexism, against ageism, against being homophobic, against being anti-Semitic, the killings of innocent people, and the hate list goes on and on. 
There is always justice work to be done. And in doing justice work, sometimes there's physical harm towards us. Sometimes there is a lot of emotional harm towards, the, towards us, but the work must be done. So we must not, no, we cannot allow our fears to prevent us from doing God's justice work. But even with all of the informational readings, and if I don't read another justice book, the nugget that compels me to do justice Focus me, leads me back to the book of Micah. The prophet Micah said to the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel that the people had to please God and speak against oppression. He told them not to listen to false prophets that perverted their faith. And most of all, not to ignore the marginalized. Have we become like the false prophets? Are our false prophets, our Black Lives Matter signs in some of our churches or on some of our lawns, those, type, those types of burnt offerings are being afraid to discuss race issues with congregants because now I'm being very transparent. If I shows Ross goes too far, maybe some congregants will leave the church. Maybe tithing will dry up. Or maybe they will vote out the first woman and first African-American woman to leave the church as the 30th pastor. You heard, we've been around since the 1700s. Or we don't speak to our families and friends and neighbors about the importance of not banning certain books that speak truth and offer critical information about race only because we want to avoid the consequences and maintain peace. Another burnt offering. God wants more than our bumper stickers on our cars advocating against ism and marketing the significance of love and togetherness just amongst ourselves. Burnt offerings. God wants our continued voices in spite of perceived or actual fears and consequences and, and repercussions. We must speak justice and love wherever and whenever our voices make the most significant difference repercussions and all. As God's people, yes, we walk humbly, but we walk believing and trusting that God is directing us. Our purpose must be greater than our fears. We must be willing to step out of our comfort and safety zones. And with our Lucan text, like Cummings said, and I'm asking this question of you and myself. When we are dancing with the angels, will we be standing on the side of justice? Or will we have said nothing? Now I have to believe, I don't care what anyone says, I believe there is a heaven. Because if this 
is all there is, what we're fighting against, the hate. Whatever. The people just not being decent with one another. I truly would throw down my Bible and my faith. I don't need the milk and honey or the streets paved with gold. I just want to be wherever the triune God is, and she is pleased with me. Even with all of my earthly messes that will follow me when I get to heaven. I don't want to receive woes from the triune God. The gospel writer of Luke, who could have been a woman, because the Pharisees received such stern admonishment from Jesus' voice of woes. Yes, we as women can be stern, can't we? <laughs> a stern rebuke because of the oppression they were ignoring and placing themselves high and mighty above others. They were known for providing their sin-burnt offerings to God. And look, Jesus spoke of the burdens the Pharisees were placing on the people and not lifting a finger to ease them. Are we, as God's people, not doing enough to alleviate oppression? What woes is the voice of Jesus offering us today because we are not doing enough? Are our fears hindering us? What conversations must we engage in whether there is discomfort? For me, the label of diversity, equity, and inclusion is steeped deep in the Micah and Lucan text. What is required of us? What must God's love within us as God's people require us to do? Yeah, we keep hearing, I'm into my ninth year as pastor First Baptist. I keep saying it has not been easy without a doubt. But I know without a doubt that God placed me at First Baptist and the congregation was obedient in calling me to the church. They had lessons to learn and so did I. I have congregants who still don't want me to talk about race or race issues. One congregant believes that the word race should be eliminated from any discussions. And we should only talk about ethnicity concerning people. I would love to hear some of your thoughts about this because I will take it back to this congregant. I will be honest. My first four years at First Baptist, I didn't have the courage to say, well, what do you see when you see me? Do you see a black woman? What do you see when you see me? Now I do. I also, as stated earlier, had a congregant to ask about my feelings about Black Lives Matter. Didn't I believe it was a communist entity, and how could I support communism? I spoke up immediately against her comment. Difficult encounter? Yes. 
but no burnt offerings there. The congregation and I have grown as God's people. It has not been easy for me, but it hasn't been easy for them either. But we still do great things on behalf of God's justice in the community. We've had some good and difficult times, like the famous Clint Eastwood movie, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. <laughs> but a few strategies we have used, and it's not all the strategies we have used, but just a few, I will name them. First and foremost, much prayer and respect for one another as individuals and as God's people. Continued discussions about some uncomfortable issues, but keeping in mind to meet people in their context and history without judgment. A third strategy we use, exploring what true blending of worship entails from that of liturgy to music to that of the addition of new ministries, even though you may not be used to it or comfortable with it. Move towards it because that's a part of God's justice. Continue asking of oneself, are my fears hindering God's justice work through me? And with that, not allowing conversations to diminish within ourselves and outward with others. But finally, my go-to for God's help in keeping me focused and vigilant relating to that my purpose and God's work through me must be greater than my fears. Sometimes I hum it, sometimes I sing it, sometimes I can only think it because the hurt is so deep. I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me. All along this old pilgrim journey, I want Jesus just to walk with me. Oh, walk with me, Lord. Yes, walk with me. Walk with me, Lord. Yes, walk with me. All along this, oh, justice.
journey. I want Jesus just to walk with me. And then I reflect back to what we have accomplished at First Baptist, and I praise God. But I also reflect upon history and about a man named Festus Campbell. He was born in 1822, and at some point, he escaped slavery from right here in Louisiana. The story has Festus coming to Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and becoming a vigorous entrepreneur, opening up restaurants, but also he was very active in lay ministry at First Baptist Church of Pittsfield. The purpose of me telling this story, even with any fears, First Baptist Church, the greatest church in the Berkshires, has been open and progressive as they walk with Jesus. And I am honored to be a part of the historic journey. Walk with me, Lord. Yes, walk with me. Oh, all along my yours, just this journey. I want Jesus just to walk with me. The question is, will you allow the Holy One to walk with you, even within all of your fears, to do what God has called you to do. I know I am. Amen.
bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks. And he told the disciples, this is my body which will be given for you. And likewise, he took the cup and said, this is my blood that will be given for you. And I will not drink anew of the fruit of the vine until I drink it with you. And as Jesus taught us 